0: Well, welcome everybody to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. I am Pastor Lucas Hillman, and I get to serve as the lead pastor at Grace Christian Fellowship in Largo, Florida. This is a weekly podcast discussing theology, scripture, and ideas in the local church to help you flourish in Christ. Thanks for joining us. This week, we wrap up our series called Seeing Jesus. Last week, we talked about the ascension, that Jesus uh, rose into heaven, that he is now seated at the right hand of God. And now, uh, in the last session of, or rather last sermon in the series, we want to take our attention uh, and look at one more post-resurrection appearance. And the Apostle John is given a vision of heaven. Now, again, with the Apostle Paul will say, what, well, John himself will say, I was called up in the Spirit. Now, whether or not he was uh, physically taken into heaven to see this, or if it was a vision of sorts, uh, I'll say with the Apostle Paul, I don't know. And ultimately, I don't believe the mode of revelation in this part, meaning how did John see what's happening? Uh, regardless, I do confess I believe it's true that he saw something true uh, about who God is and those things that have happened. And as Jesus will say in Revelation, those things that are to happen. And again, one thing I pointed out is I believe Revelation is uh, one of the neglected books in the New Testament. And as I've read it this past week, it's one of those things that I thought was intimidating, maybe even kind of strange and scary. But at the more and more I read uh, of the account of John seeing into the throne room of heaven itself, seeing God, um, the more confident, the more comfort that I'm, I draw from it, Because it's as if you are put into the control tower of the entire universe, of history itself, that the sovereign God sits on his throne in Revelation 4, and all things exist to bring him worship and glory. And he is there uh, just receiving it by virtue of his being, and he's able to control all things. And one thing we pointed out, that if we choose to step into this throne room, of Revelation 4, and seeing God who for who He is, the glorified Lord, Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God. Again, holy, holy, holy. If we choose to step into this presence, what it will do is turn things inside out for us, meaning that all that we know of in this reality, all of our life up to this point, is not the whole story. Meaning that there is more going on but behind the scenes in a spiritual sense than what we experience in this side of glory that is still affected by the effects of the fall. Sin is still very much present in this reality. But God is giving us a glimpse into glory, a place without sin. And it is a wonderful vision. It is a lovely uh, heart, again, just heartwarming. I don't mean that in a sentimental sense, but just the thing that our souls long for, which is life with God himself. And we know this to be the fact because we looked at 2 Kings when Elisha uh, just prays for his servant to have Eyes to see what's actually happening in the spiritual realities around us moment by moment. And Elisha prays for his servant, and you know, in those moments when they're surrounded by uh, enemy horses and chariots, that uh, God opens his servant's eyes and he sees chariots of fire around him, that the servants of God are there. And it's important to remind ourselves that in all situations, all situations of temptation, even evil itself, may we have eyes of faith to see where God might be in those moments, calling us to have faith, to trust that he will work this out. And again, that is a very hard thing to believe. Um, But if we are invited into the throne room, we're reminded and our faith causes us to confess that there is a God, a sovereign Lord over all creation who has not left us, but yet is still very much involved and is able to work all things together for not only his glory, but our good. In Revelation chapter 4, we get this picture of John being called up into the throne room through a door. And again, I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus himself identifies himself as a door in John 10 verse 9. He says, I am the door. Anyone who enters by me will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Again, there is one way that we are able to enter this throne room. We are not able to enter God's presence, which is the point of salvation, is that our sins could be removed and we could enter God's presence as it was in the beginning. And there's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ, his blood and resurrection, his ascension for us, his life for us. So the one way you can enter into the throne room is through faith in Jesus. And then also in verse one, he says, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So we have Jesus beckoning his friend John into the throne room to say, listen, Uh, And again, it's important to note that Revelation is written to churches in Asia Minor who are being persecuted, who are being threatened, who are uh, in very real physical danger. And again, there are some nice comforting words that Jesus speaks to his church, but there are also judgments pronounced that if we, uh, again, look at the words of Jesus to the churches. There are different ways in which Jesus you know, will judge his church, and that we ought to hold fast even in the midst of radical difficulty. That there, and Why? Because Revelation 4 and 5 will show us that God is still on the throne. He is not uh, off his throne. He is not uh, incapable of working even persecution. For the, for the good of his kingdom. Uh, and again, we, we don't pray for that. We pray against it, actually, that God would bring safety. But even if so, God be praised. And we see that God, there's a throne in heaven. Revelation 4, we go through the door, Jesus Christ, into his uh, throne room, and he says this is what must take place. Uh, and again, it is, it is a nod to sovereignty that God knows the future. He knows the present, and he definitely knows the past. But the throne is a symbol of royalty, power, and dominion. Again, it is to say that God is king of the universe, uh, that he is the one in charge, and none of his uh, decrees can be thwarted, meaning overturned, that he knows what he's doing. And again, if we get the picture of what's happening uh, in Revelation 4, there's uh, creatures, there's a sea, there's a spirit, uh, and they're, and again, representing all of creation itself, even the heavenly creatures, even the heavenly courts, uh, bow in reverence and awe and worship to God, to the Lamb, and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was past, who is present, and is to come, future. God is ever-present, past, present, future. So it's important to remember that as we're called into the throne room of God, that the past, God knows your past. He is present with you right now. Whatever you're facing, God is with you, who was and is. And the promise is, is to come, that whatever comes to pass, God is not absent, that he is with us, will supply what we need. And again, even if our life is forfeited this side of glory before Jesus comes back, we have faith that we will see him face to face, and it will be more glorious than we could ever imagine. So, I want to skip ahead as we get a throne, Revelation 4, dealing with the throne room. Uh, again, a picture of what heaven is like, and it's all centered around God and His goodness. Um, so, and then we get to uh, 5, because Revelation chapter 5, because I saw at the right hand of God. Uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 says, I saw in the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne a scroll. Within that was written on the back and sealed with seven seals. Again, don't let the numbers fool you. Seven is often a number of perfection. So what is this saying? It says the plan of redemption, I believe, in verse one, the seal, or rather the scroll of God, the plan of God to be unfolded in this world, the work of redemption to renew all things, uh, is is sealed. And again, symbolically, um, it's perfect, perfectly sealed. There's no way for anybody ever to open this unless there is one worthy. And this is what Revelation 5 is getting at. Who is worthy to unfold the plan of God and bring it to pass? And there is no one in heaven and on earth who is worthy to open it. That's what verse 3 will say. And if that's the case, if God's holy, 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 and he has a plan, and he and again, it needs to be unfolded, and only a perfect one, only God himself could unfold it. Well, who in heaven and on earth could do it? Well, again, no one in all creation could unfold that because no one is worthy, perfect to do that. Well, praise be to God that there is nobody in creation, but there is God himself, Jesus Christ. Who is not a part of creation, but rather was there before the beginning, and everything was made through him. He was the Logos, the Word, who was in the beginning, who was God, and all things through him were made. Jesus is not a part of creation. So he, again, if if that's the case, in the work of redemption needs to be unfolded, but no one can. It ought to cause us to weep, but weep no more, uh, is what verse five will say. Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered. Has conquered what? Sin, Satan, and death. This is the work of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of the tribe, or rather the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is triumphant, powerful. Weep no more, for indeed the plans of God are moving forward, not because of anybody in creation, even angelic creation, um, but rather God himself saw it. Uh, Saul fit rather to make sure his work is completed his perfect sealed seven seals work the scroll weep no more the lion and who is that lion none other than Jesus Christ but also how he doesn't overcome by military might it says there's right between the throne there was and the lion looked like a lamb that was slain. So again God overcomes the world through his death and this, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 18, is folly to those who are perishing. How can Jesus conquer the world by getting himself killed? Well, that is a worldly perspective. Because Jesus didn't get himself killed, he willingly laid down his life for the sake of seeing God's plan of redemption come to pass. He was well aware of what was happening. Matter of fact, he said, no one takes my life from me. Rather, I lay it down on my own accord, and he also said, I'll take it up on my own accord too. But you see, 1 Corinthians 1.18 will say the cross, this idea, this plan of God is folly to those who are perishing, but to, the, but to us who are being saved, those who are being saved. It is the power of God. Now, I want to focus on that for just a second, because the slain lamb in Revelation 5 who has conquered— Uh, The lion who looks like a slain lamb, the powerful one who took on utter humility, has conquered. Uh, So that means it's power from God. We get to tap into that power to say, despite my circumstances, I believe God will overcome whatever suffering and evil may be touching my life in this moment. The sickness, the relational strife, marital conflict, grief sadness, whatever it is, will eventually be done away with because he has conquered through the cross. And this is the power of God. This is the power of God for his people that we would remember, recall, and meditate on the love of God in Jesus and now present with us through the Holy Spirit that this is the power of God. How does that give you confidence to say whatever you're facing right now, God will make right, and this is one thing we said on Sunday, that whatever you're going through, however bad it is, the worst thing is never the last thing. The last thing will be God who will have the final word, and for those of us in Christ Jesus, suffering inevitably will enter our lives. Grief will inevitably enter our lives, but those do not get the last word. We allow God to speak last. And he says in Revelation 21 that he will make all things new, that he, although we weep now, he will wipe away our tears for the, the, for the things we've lost to the enemy of death itself, uh, that he will restore unto us our joy, our peace in his presence This is what we long for. This is glory. This is heaven. That we get to live with God in eternal joy and bliss. Because God's there. Because he is our salvation. He is our joy. He is our all in all. So rather, I pray that this vision of the throne, the lamb who has conquered, and the eventual renewal of all things will bring steadfastness to you today that you would have eyes to see the king of glory jesus christ who has completed the work of god and has promised to bring all things together for his glory for your good thank you for listening to the beyond the sermon podcast a ministry of grace christian fellowship in largo florida You can visit our website and find out more about our church at gracechristian.com. As well, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube.